You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. I personally believe, and I've been praying to that, and I'm sure you have uh, been as well, that this health crisis is going to come to an end, and we're going to get back to, you know, the way that it once was. And we're trusting that God is going to use us in greater ways, and we're going to experience uh, God's blessing in new ways, right? We have the prospect of all of those things. So we meet, we need to make sure that we're right with the Lord, that we've moved into the center of God's will for our lives so that we can experience his best. Do you ever struggle with doubt when you feel like God just isn't blessing you and working in your life in the way you think he should? Many of us find ourselves at that place at some point in our Christian journey. But as Pastor Mike will point out in today's message, as quick as we are to question God and wonder why he's not coming through, how often do we take that opportunity to evaluate our own hearts and determine whether our focus is on our own will more than His? Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 as he begins his message, Prepare Your Heart for the Lord. I remember what you said, you First Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Then the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord, that is the ark of the covenant, and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And so it was that the ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim a long time. It was there for 20 years. And uh, some 20 years, it wasn't actually until... Uh, King David brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the city of uh, Jerusalem. And we'll get into that text of Scripture uh, as we continue uh, through our studies here in the book of 1 Samuel. But then also notice, and I think that this is significant, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And the reason why uh, all of Israel lamented uh, after the Lord was because at that time, the cities that they occupied lied in ruin. Their armies had been defeated, and they were under Philistine uh, domination, all of which because they weren't right with God. And that's always the result. Because of the fact that they weren't right with God, they suffered these consequences. Okay, so after the destruction of Shiloh, remember we talked about this last time, by the Philistines, uh, where the tabernacle was located. Remember at that time, the tabernacle was located there in the city of Shiloh. 
Samuel returned to Rama, uh, his town of birth, and was not at any time invited to resume his priestly functions at Nob, which was only a few miles uh, from his home uh, town, when the tabernacle was relocated there. Remember last time we talked about this, anticipating the Philistines pillaging uh, the city uh, there at Shiloh, the priest removed all of the sacred items, the tabernacle, and they set it up at that location there in Nob. And we're told that in 1 Samuel chapters 21 and 22. So again, we'll get into that in one of our future studies. But anyway, it has been suggested that his peers, that is Samuel's peers, uh, the remained descendants of Eli, the high priest, who is now dead, considered Samuel an intruder. And so he was ostracized. I think it had something to do with genealogies. Uh, remember, Samuel was a Levite by birth, but he was not a direct descendant of uh, Aaron. And so it appears here in this chapter, Samuel moved more towards the role of a, a judge, which is referred to, he's referred to in that way, notice in verses 6, here in chapter 7, verses 15 and 17. And that's the way that he's recommended to us uh, here in this chapter. More or less uh, a judge than was he a priest. Uh, that is to have officiated as priest. He only officiated as a priest at Ramah, his hometown, and then on occasion at the cities of Bethel, Mizpah, and Gilgal without the approval of Eli's descendants, which is indicated in verses 16 and 17 here in chapter uh, 7. Well, without any bitterness or regret, Samuel set himself to the task of rebuilding Israel's ruined state. And I find this interesting. I mean, he never doubted for one minute his call from God, even though he was ostracized by his uh, peers. You know, it would have been very easy for Samuel at this time, you know, to give up, you know, to think, well, my ministry is over, you know, probably thinking, you know, forget about all of these people. But listen, without any promise of eventual success, he faithfully continued and ministered to the people through a very dreary period of their history, a 20-year period referred to here in verse 2. Notice what it says there in verse uh, 2. You know, it's been said that the supreme test of character is disappointment and perseverance with the ministry. So again, you know, if you have no indication of any success in ministry, you know, people aren't responding to your ministry, it's so easy to give up, right? And, uh, you know, I think of someone like, for example, Jeremiah, you know, who ministered there in Israel for so many years without even having one convert. But nevertheless, it didn't dissuade him from his ministry, from his calling, and being used by God as uh, God's uh, spokesman to warn the people about the impending judgment that was to come upon them. So here is the conditions that existed at this time. 20 years of abject submission to the Philistines, and thus the people sank into idolatry, and yet Samuel was growing in strength and influence. And when the time was right, the moment came when Israel came to their senses, seeking a better life. And thus they began to listen 
to Samuel's warnings. And he was ready then to take his place as the leader of this uh, nation. Now, also this awakening of God's people, notice there in verse 2, the latter part of verse 2, let's go back to our, our text. There we are told, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. This was a good thing. Uh, what was behind this? Well, this may have been provoked by the death of Samson, Samuel's contemporary, who served in the area of Judah's southern border. It is possible, and it has been suggested, that, that Samson's death, which, by the way, is recorded for us in the previous book, in the book of Judges, in chapter 16, helped shock the nation into a wakefulness and provide the catalyst for Samuel to call the people to a renewed commitment of themselves to the Lord. Well, anyway, Samuel believed the time had come for a national return to God. Now, why was that? Well, notice again there in verses 2 and 3 of our text, the phrases, and this is important, we read, all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord, as I've already mentioned, but then also, and Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel. So what's being suggested here for us? Well, in other words, it's at this time, finally, the people were listening, and they began to realize how desolate their lives had become, how that they had been deprived of the tokens of God's love and grace. And thus they were longing for God's return. You see, the problem with them was sin. And, that, and, and folks, that's always uh, the problem. You know, and, and so they forfeited God's best, what God wanted to do for them. Remember last time we talked about this in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 59, in verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear, but, and here was the problem, your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not uh, hear. So they had forfeited God's best. Why? Because of their sin. And that's always the case. That's the effect, the result of sin in a person's life. You know, let me ask you this question. Is there anyone who may be watching online this morning or here as well in our facility, I mean, how long is it until we come to our senses, as did Israel, and then finally come around to listening uh, to God? And yes, it is true that there is pleasure in sin for a, se uh, for a season, but ultimately, you are going to crash and burn and you're going to forfeit God's blessings and God's best. So you weigh the choices uh, that you uh, make. So they came to their senses. Now, I don't know what's been going on in your life this last year in 2020, and maybe you've been experiencing this for yourself. You know, maybe you feel as if there's been an absence of God in your, your life, uh, that you don't sense his presence the way that you once did. Well, it's just a matter of recommitting your life to the Lord. You know, take, uh, evaluate the direction and the course uh, of your life. And uh, maybe you need to uh, deal with some unconfessed sin within your life. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's the case, but it, I think it would serve us all well to take that kind of an inventory 
Because as we move towards this next year, we want to experience God's best, right? I believe that, I personally believe, and I've been praying to that, and I'm sure you have been as well, that this health crisis is going to come to an end, and we're going to get back to you know, the way that it once was, and we're trusting that God is going to use us in greater ways, and we're going to experience God's blessing in new ways, right? We have the prospect of all of those things. So we, meet, we need to make sure that we're right with the Lord, that we've moved into the center of God's will for our lives so that we can experience his best. Now, to test Israel's sincerity, remember now they're appealing to the Lord, they've finally come to their senses, they're recommitting their lives uh, to the Lord, they're confessing their sin. And so to test Israel's sincerity, notice what Samuel did. Verses 3 and 4, let's go back to chapter 7 now. And so it was, uh, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all of your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths uh, from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, that's where we get the title of this message from, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines, who was oppressing them at this time, So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Now let me tell you something. This was no small thing that Samuel was asking them to do. You see, for them it was hard putting away these false gods, the Baals, the Ashtoreths, because worshiping them was very attractive. And it was extremely sensual and appealed to their uh, carnal uh, mind. For example, the Ashtaroth was thought to be the goddess of fertility, and thus it was connected with love and sex. Entertainment and revelry characterized their festive occasions. There were male and female religious prostitutes that were a part of the way that they worshipped their uh, gods. They were ready, readily available. And so they became accustomed to a certain lifestyle. It was all pleasing to the carnal uh, mind. That is the way that they worshiped these false gods. And so to renounce such worship was to fall back on what seemed somber. It involved self-denial. It seemed to be unattractive to the flesh. So it wasn't a simple prospect. It wasn't some simple thing that Samuel was asking them uh, to do. You see, their false worship crushed out, crushed out the life of their hearts. Now, these instructions of Samuel's are quite informative. And let's consider them in this way. They are steps towards a renewal of right-mindedness and the enjoyment of the blessings of God in our lives. And once again, let me ask you, are these things Have these things been missing in your own personal life, in your own walk, in your relationship with the Lord in 2020? So what were they to do to reestablish that relationship with the Lord? The renewal of right-mindedness, the enjoyment of the blessings of God in their lives. What steps were they to take? Well, there were two of them, according to the instructions that Samuel had laid out here for them. The first of which was that they were to forsake their sins, no matter how enjoyable and the way of life that led to them. 
and, and, and that's the attraction of sin, right? In a person's life. As I mentioned before, there's pleasure in sin for a season. So what do we need to do? Uh, and this, you know, it, it sort of uh, uh, becomes a pattern, and those kinds of sinful patterns are extremely hard to break when we've given themselves when we've given ourselves to those things over an extended period of, of time. So what do we need to do? Well, simply we need to ask God to help you to break those sinful patterns in your life. You need to avoid them. You need to avoid certain people and places that entice us to do the wrong things. Uh, those things that uh, serve to inflame our carnal lusts. We need to avoid those things at all uh, costs. And then secondly, according to the instructions laid out by Samuel, they were to recommit themselves to seek out and follow the truth as it has been revealed to us in God's word. Jesus himself said in John's Gospel in chapter 17 and verse 17, actually, as he was praying to the Father uh, for us, he said, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. You know, also as another cross-reference for this, in the 119th Psalm, in verses 11 and 12, there we read, Your word I have hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. So that's the way to break those sinful patterns within our lives. Get back into the regular study of God's word. So have you been negligent in 2020? No, I don't suspect that any of you have been. But you know, there's always room to increase that time that we spend regularly every day in the word of God. And it will prevent you from falling into sin, from overcome, being overcome by uh, temptation. Gang, it is by the renewing of our mind that we progressively appreciate and understand that good and acceptable will of God. As we are exhorted to do in the book of Romans by Paul the Apostle in chapter 12 in verse 2. It is only by putting into practice what is taught in the Bible that we can enjoy the rewards of righteousness. But then he goes on, notice then in verses 5 and 6, what happened next? Let's go back to our text. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mitzpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And so they gathered together at Mitzpah, they drew water, this is sort of curious, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mitzpah. Now let's talk about this location. Mitzpah is a mountain five miles, located five miles northwest of the city of Jerusalem at an elevation about 3,000 feet. From there is an excellent view of the surrounding area. And so by ones and twos, in families and in small groups, from everywhere, the people began to converge on Mitzpah. And it must have been pretty exciting, uh, particularly if you were Samuel. Uh, the people returning to God. There's now this national unity. Uh, and finally, Samuel is sensing that his persistent labor is finally a pain off. So it must have been a really exciting time, but particularly exciting for uh, Samuel. So on this solemn occasion, this day of assembly, 
The people fasted. The idea is that they sought the Lord. They confessed their sin. And notice, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord, according to verse 6. Now, what was that all about? Now, there's no biblical tradition or precedent for this. I think that the idea here is as water once poured out on the ground cannot be gathered up again, the people seemingly were indicating the decision that they were making, returning to the Lord, they were going to obey God's word, was a no turning back one. In other words, the decision that they were making was irreversible. They were going to go forward, no looking back. They were going to follow God and do his will. So the picture that's being painted here is a really beautiful one. You know, God help us to make that same kind of a decision in 2021. For us, there's no going back. Okay, let's go back to our narrative now, verses 7 through 11. Now, when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mitzvah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And so the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord, our God, for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as uh, Beth uh, Car. Okay, so, uh, and, and uh, now this is really curious as well. The last thing that Israel would have expected was their being attacked by the Philistines, that is, as they were rededicating their lives to the Lord. Now, there's something to take away from this, something that's very important. I think that we need to mark this well, because whenever there is a stirring of the Spirit of God in the renewing of his people's lives, you can be sure that the devil will be just as active in attempting to counter all the good works that has been done. You can be sure when you make that kind of a commitment, when you're going to sell, sell out, when you finally come to your senses, you rededicate yourself to the Lord, you confess your sin, you can be sure that the devil is going to be right behind you, right? And he's going to, he's going to attack you. In my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be oh my first Samuel takes you from the pastures that David shepherded to Saul's palace where David played his harp it walks you through the battles that were won and lost and it touches on one of the most unique friendships in the whole Bible to say this book is interesting is an understatement. There are so many lessons to be learned from reading 1 Samuel. Ultimately, we're reminded that people wanted a human king, 
But no ruler or leader on earth will be perfect and they'll make many mistakes. Only God is perfect and is the very best king. Thanks for listening today. You can explore more of Pastor Mike's messages by searching for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday service so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Mike teaches on 1 Samuel, here on In My Father's House.